the Victoria Cross, the highest and most prestigious decoration available to British military service members. We all know what it looks like. It's a small bronze cross with a distinctive crimson ribbon. But what else do you know about it? Well, today I'm joined by author and historian Kevin Brazier. He's going to be busting some of the myths and answering all of my questions about the VC. Before we crack on with the interview, folks, I just want to take a moment to ask you to subscribe to my newsletter. When you do so, you'll receive a free guide to the Battle of Isandlwana. Just go to redcoathistory.com slash newsletter. I'll say that again a bit slower. That's redcoathistory, all one word, dot com slash newsletter. Pop in your email address when requested, and after that you'll get regular updates from me with book recommendations, YouTube links, and updates about new episodes of the show. So Kevin, just first off, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how your interest in the Victoria Cross came about? I've always had an interest in um, military stuff growing up in the 60s. War films were on all the time. Many trips to the Imperial War Museum. On one such trip when I was around 17, uh, I saw the VC belonging to uh, John Cornwall, who at the time was only a year younger than I was. Uh, and that led me to a certain fascination of someone that age, you know, could do something like that. So I've always so just to just to cut you off there because it's interesting. Yeah. Who I don't know his story. What's what's the background? Ah, right. of his uh, first of July, Battle of Jutland. Um, uh, boy, his rank was boy on a ship, and what happened there was uh, all the crew on his gun had been killed, and he stayed by the gun and manned it for as long as he could. He, he eventually also died at his gun. When the ship's docked back in, he was buried in a pauper's grave. Uh, and his mother didn't even get to see him. She was rushing out to see him, and he, he died of him buried before she even got there. And then there was a national outcry of why this hero had been buried like that. Uh, so he was exhumed and he was moved to London, and reburied there. has a fantastic monument now. And, of course, there was almost a campaign to get him awarded the Victoria Cross. Um, many people still think he's the youngest, but he's, he's not. And I think that's one of your questions that will come up later. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get back to that later. Thanks for that. Um, so you you developed this interest then, and then over the years, tell us tell us how that continued to develop. Yeah, reading lots of books and stuff like that. And the thing I noticed that every book on the Victoria Cross listed them alphabetically, and I thought, well, how interesting would it be to try and list them chronologically? Um, so I thought I'd start a little project. I had no idea about writing a book. It was just going to be a project of doing this. And and I did it completely wrong. I started literally by getting out the, the DVD of Zulu, writing down the 11 pieces from Zulu, and then what other books I had on my shelves. And, and, and of course, there were massive gaps because I had no idea how many VCs there were at that point. So I did it completely wrong. But eventually I compiled this list. And there's all sorts of problems with um, those were all on the same day, how to decide which goes first, um, generally I went with, um, unless the time was day was known, which was quite rare, there were a few instances where that was known, uh, I would go with uh, highest rank first. Um, and the other problem would come, of course, if there was a whole run of days that you rewarded the VC for, or even some of them were for a year, um, bravery for a, a whole year. How do you start those? Um, by this time, I'd got a copy of uh, Monuments to Courage, by uh, the great late um, David Harvey, and uh, he'd list them slightly differently. He would use the end date as the date he would list them. And I thought that was wrong because I thought you'd started to earn it by the start date. So I was using the start date if, it was, if there was a run of days. Um, so we end up with, with slightly different lists in that sense. But by the time I'd finished it, it took about eight months to, to do that. Um, I thought I collected so much information. I thought, oh, there could be a book in this, you know. So anyway, I, I ploughed ahead with this idea of writing a book, which I was originally was going to be called um, The Bravest of the Brave. It was going to list them all, but only tell the stories of the top, say, 150 I had in my, my mind. So then, of course, I'm trying to decide who goes in, who goes, who doesn't. Some were easy to put out, some were obvious to come in. And then you get that massive grey area of do I, don't I? And uh, the more I looked at it, the more I thought, I, I can't leave any of them out. I've got, to, I've got to do all of them. So not only did I not intend to write a book, the book I wrote wasn't the book I'd set out to write. Um, and a year or so later, uh, it came out, <laughs> the complete Victoria Cross, uh, listing all the VCs at that time. And it's now available in paperback as the second edition. 
and after that I thought well the story isn't really finished and I went on and did the George Cross uh, and I've since done uh, the German Blue Max, the German Knight's Cross I've just finished writing a four volume set on the American Medal of Honour um, oh I've done the Knight's Cross as well which is also published so the purpose of the interview today, Kevin, is to kind of get an overview on the Victoria Cross, some of the some of the history, some of the key characters, some maybe of the controversial figures. So I wanted to ask first the obvious question. How did the award come about in the first place? Right. That's, that's quite interesting. It was um, Queen Victoria was starting to say that you know, we, we need an, an a, a award, a bravery award for the ordinary soldiers. There, there was nothing. Uh, the German Knights Cross had been available since uh, 1813 for everybody. And so we have nothing. Of course, she was married to uh, Prince Albert, who's effectively a German. Um, so she said, I, I want an award for our soldiers. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, he's pretty sure that he designed the actual medal. Um, and it was originally going to have for bravery, but Victoria didn't like that because she said that those not awarded are not brave, but obviously they are. So, so she changed that to for valour. Uh, and then there was a whole issue about what it was going to be made from, but I think we're coming on to that a bit later as well. The award came about on the 29th of January, 1856, and what they did, they asked those to submit to those for the award who had been brave in the, the recent war, as they, they tended to refer to the Crimea. Um, so 111 were approved. Every regiment or unit would submit men for you know, saying what they did. Um, and it's why when you look at the original citations for that period, some of them are quite vague because they were trying to remember back to something that happened uh, a year or so previously. Um, the one was not approved. And there was a chap who had been captured by the Russians, had freed himself, killed some of his captors and got away. And Victoria turned it down on the grounds that she felt if we rewarded people for killing their captors, our, perhaps our enemies wouldn't take prisoners anymore. So uh, right. she turned that one down. Um, another famous one that was turned down was Sir Evelyn Wood, who would go on to get the VC in the Indian Museum. Yeah. Uh, he probably earned it three times in the Crimea. And the reason he didn't get it was uh, when the Crimea ended, he'd been in the Naval Brigade, commanding an artillery battery, uh, and he left the Navy and joined the Army. So no one in the Navy wanted to support him because they wanted to get all their current serving people. And nobody in the Army wanted to nominate him because he hadn't served for them. So he missed out, but uh, he did He did get an award uh, later. Um, so, yeah, uh, the first presentation was in Hyde Park in June 1857. Um, and where 66 of the 111 uh, awards were represented. Um, Queen Victoria remained mounted while she did it. Um, did the whole lot in under 15 minutes, apparently. Uh, and there is a story that um, the first man presented with it, not the first man to be awarded it. Uh, she stabbed him through the chest with the uh, the pins of the medal as she presented it to him, uh, Commander Rabbi, Henry Rabbi. Um, but he stood there uh, unflinching while she did it. <laughs> was that was that presumably just purely an accident? Or, yes, yes. Or was the, this part the medal of the in those days, medal in those days had a... a, a it came of an attached bar with two two inch pins and the idea was you, you pinned it through the cloth and of course leaning over on horseback she she pinned it a little bit too deep so so commander rabbi you say was the first man to be presented with the victoria yes. cross but he wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily no. the first award no what happened was um awards were presented in order of rank so by the time of the presentation he outranked the man who had actually awarded it first and the first man to earn the VC was uh, Charles Lucas um, and it wasn't even in the Crimea it's in the Baltic but we would sent a fleet to the Baltic to distract the Russians try and split their forces a little bit um, and we were really only up there bombarding forts and, and carrying out a few raids and a live shell had landed on the deck burning away if it's about to explode everybody died for cover and um, Charles Lucas picked it up must have been extremely heavy and very hot and threw it over the side where it immediately exploded um, so of course he saved quite a few of the ship's crew. Uh, he got an immediate field promotion uh, and would later effectively be the first uh, Victoria Cross. And you you touched on it earlier, but I think now is as good a time as any to get into it. What is the Victoria Cross actually made from then? Because I think there's a good story about this. Oh, isn't there? I could probably write a whole book on what the Victoria Cross is actually made from. Uh, the story goes that. Um, when they were deciding what to make the VC of, they were saying, oh, should we make it silver? Should we make it gold? And Victoria says, no, no, I want it to be the medal, to what it stands for to be its value, not an actual value. Uh, and she suggested a base metal. 
Um, so someone said, well, what about using guns from the recent war? Excellent idea, she said. We will do that. Um, and to this day, people still cling to the myth that the, all VCs are made from guns from the Crimea. But we now know this not to be the case. Uh, what happens is Hancock's now, for identification purposes, X-ray all medals that come to them for valuation or authentication. Um, and they have worked out that at least three different medals, metals have been used. Uh, the Chinese guns in the Woolwich Arsenal, which is what everyone shows photographs of, um, they were not used until 1924. So that's 68 years after the VC was first manufactured. So I suspect what happened was the initial metal run out, got guns from the Crimea. Nobody wanted to say nothing, so they just went on to a different supply of metal. To confuse the story even more, the Chinese metal during the Second World War was put away for safekeeping and then lost. And it was lost from 1942 to 1945. So a different metal was used during those three years. And so we know this due to x-rays that Hancock's have carried out. And they, they use this to tell us if someone turns up with a medal that claims to be a medal from 1942 to 1945, and it has a different composition from all the other medals of x-ray from that period, they can tell it's actually uh, a fake. Although by that period, uh, by, by the early 1900s, they were putting a secret mark on the back of all VCs, again, for identification purposes. I think they started doing that about 1900, somewhere around there. So we know that at least three different metals have been used. Well, and, and what about now then? Are we still using the metal from these Chinese guns captured? We are, yes. Captured presumably during one of the opium wars. Yes, uh, uh, taken from the, the, the Takey Forts, probably in the 1860s, <clears throat> excuse me, as you say, during one of the Opium Wars. Uh, yes, we're still using the castables, uh, the round ball at the end of the gun. Um, I think you have a picture of the guns, and it's that part of the gun that's actually missing. That's kept in a secure location. Uh, and I think about 10 years ago, I read they said they had enough to make about another 80 VCs from that metal. I wonder what they'll do after that. On another supply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there must be there must be plenty around. I'm sure they can find them in various museums and yeah, so forth. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure the Royal Artillery Museum's got enough brass cannons in their collection. Yeah, and then do we know? May, maybe I'm getting a bit too deep now, but do we know, like physically, who who actually is responsible for making the medals? Right, is that uh, something you've looked at? Yes, Hancock's jewellers make them. Um, they always have made them, um, and they they make them in batches of about eight, and then they go into a vault waiting to be um the, the work was at one point uh they tried to give the work to the royal mint at one point um because they thought hancocks were but well, they thought they could get them done cheaper and they realized that the royal mint couldn't make them cheaper so the work was quickly given back to hancocks but hancocks have always made uh, they've made every single vc so presumably these are handmade uh they're cast they're cast in a mold and then cleaned and um you know tied it up I'll have to have a look, see if there's a video of them making it, because that sounds I believe fantastic. there is. Sounds... I believe if you go on their website, you, there are some information there, yes. Brilliant. Well, Kevin, moving on then. So originally, the Victoria Cross was not available to people who had been killed in action, so you couldn't be awarded it posthumously. Is, is that correct? And if so, what was the reasoning behind that, and when did it change? Uh, there is nothing in the original warrant saying about posthumous awards, either for or against. Uh, for what, for reasons best known to themselves, the powers that be decided that they would only give it to those who survived. Um, but why this was, well, I suppose they felt it looked better, giving the walls to dead people didn't look as good, I suppose. Um, and there's a couple of examples of in, very bad injustice to this. There were, there were seven men during the Indian Mutiny who blew themselves up to stop the rebels capturing a magazine. Four were killed. The three survivors got the Victoria Cross. The others got nothing. Um, yeah. Uh, the situation changed when um, Lord Roberts uh, was killed in the Boer um, His father, also Lord Roberts, was uh, one of Queen Victoria's favourite soldiers. Uh, while his son pretty much lied dying, they rushed through the award uh, to claim it kind of wasn't posthumous, but it was. Um, so he was awarded it, awarded it. So he became the first actual posthumous award, even though it's 1901, uh, 1900, and there is a famous painter in the National Army of him with the VC, which was commissioned by his officers uh, for his father, which, of course, he never wore it. Uh, and then, of course, there was a bit of an outcry. People were saying, well, so-and-so didn't get the VC. Um, what are we going to do? How are we going to address this situation? So two batches of six, I believe, VCs were backdated. 
And this is where Merville and Coghole get their VCs. Right, from Isanguana so fame. The guy's trying to save the colours from Isanguana because it was said at the time, had they survived, they would have been awarded the Victoria Cross. So six was two lots of six were done. There are still others, like the ones from the Indian Mutiny, who presumably weren't as well known, so they weren't included. But of course, I don't suppose they could do everyone who had been killed. So those that were quite well known, I suppose, got a backdated VC. But then the king declared that there would be no more backdated awards. And there wouldn't be any more. So but but effectively from then on, posthumous awards were allowed. And as you know, throughout sort of World War One and World War Two and so forth, I don't know what the percentages are, and probably that's an unfair question. But presumably, a large percentage are given posthumously these days. Uh, yes, um, the criteria has kind of changed. There's nothing written to say it's changed, but um, modern VC recipients, as we earn it now, tend to have to get it for more than one action, or if they are killed in one action. Further back, it was less stringent. There were less bravery awards back then, of course. For a long time, the Victoria Cross was the only award for bravery. Uh, and you look at some of the citations now, and certainly if those actions happened in the 21st century, you wouldn't get the Victoria Cross. You would get something else, but you wouldn't get the Victoria Cross because then it, it was all they had to award. That's not to demean any of those that have been awarded it. And I say in my, my talks when I give talks that you know they're, they're, everyone who's got it has deserved it. Gosh, well, so one a very basic question, I guess, is is how is the Victoria Cross worn? That's a very good question. In the early days, uh, medals and orders and decorations were worn pretty much anyhow, any way you wanted to wear them. And it was the site of um, George Day, seen by um, George VI when he was still Prince of Wales, wearing his uh, eight medals and three or four decorations, um, all orders, um, all across his chest that prompted him to say, perhaps medals should be collected together and worn neatly on one bar. Um, the Victoria Cross comes first. It was declared at the time it will come before all orders and other decorations. Uh, it's the only medal that does come before orders. Normally, what they would come uh, if you have the um, uh, Order of British Empire and a row of medals, that would come first. But if you had that and the Victoria Cross, the Victoria Cross would precede it. And then another, another fairly straightforward question then. We've sort of touched on some of the numbers. In total, since its inception, how many Victoria Crosses have been won? And maybe you could give us a sense of which conflicts perhaps saw some of the, the larger percentage of those? I certainly can. I'll start with the numbers awarded. Um, any records you look at, any page, Facebook page you go on, it will all tell you that there are 1,358 Victoria Crosses awarded. Uh, that figure's not really correct because from the 1990s, uh, Australia, Canada and New Zealand have all been allowed to award their own Victoria Cross under their own system. It's still the Victoria Cross. They call it the Victoria Cross for Australia or Canada or New Zealand. Uh, it still follows the same criteria, but they don't need it rubber stamped by uh, the British. And, and there have been um, six awards of those. So it actually brings the total to 1,364. Um, but the 1,358, they are effectively um, imperial or Commonwealth awards. Now, the, these other ones are, are not. Um, as for awards during conflicts, that's also an interesting question. Um, there was 111 for the Crimea. Uh, there was 282 for both the Indian Mutiny and the Second World War, exactly the same amount. So oh, wow. 182 for both the and the um, Second World War. Uh, and I suspect that sounds very odd, but of course, again, during the Second World War, there are a lot more awards they could give. During the Indian Mutiny, there are a lot less awards they could give. Um, well, that's that's a very interesting point, isn't it, Kevin? Because obviously, you know, as as things have developed, you know, in later wars, you had things like the DCM, the Military Medal, the Military Absolutely. Cross. These were all yeah. alternatives. They, yeah. You didn't have to immediately go from nothing to Victoria Cross. Absolutely. There was. Yeah. Yep. There were options, and I guess and, that has and, affected the and numbers. Recommend, yes, absolutely. And a recommend, recommendation of the VC doesn't necessarily end in its awards. And I hate using this word, but sometimes they are downgraded. Sometimes other rewards are upgraded before it comes to presentation. Um, but going back to conflicts, um, I think the Boer War was 66. There were 24 for the Zulu War, 629 for the First World War, which is nearly half of all C VCs awarded. Uh, I said the 182 for the Second World War. Um, so it varies a great deal. And the other thing about the Indian Mutiny, of course, is, is there was this feeling that uh, these guys had kind of saved the empire. So there may have been a little bit of um, over generosity with their award. 
And again, that doesn't demean anyone's bravery uh, at all. Um, you know, how many actions were never witnessed? There has to be witnesses to an action. There must have been hundreds of actions that were never seen. Uh, therefore, guys who were, you know, effective have missed out on it. And that's yeah. the nature of any award, of course. And I mean, that's that's an interesting point that maybe I should have asked you about earlier, Kevin. Maybe you could spell out for people who aren't aware exactly what the criteria is to win the award, you know, in terms of sort of, you know, witnesses and, you know, the sorts of actions you have to have done. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a complicated answer, really. Um, <laughs> it is. Thanks. Um, uh, as I say, it's, it's kind of changed. Um, some of the early citations will say simply something like bravery. Uh, bravery in action because I couldn't remember exactly what had happened. Uh, some of the Crimea ones are, are very vague. Um, one they didn't even have the exact date, so September 1855. Uh, I managed to track it down to within a week actually. Um, George Stone, I think that was. Um, but as I say, there's no official what you have to do. I mean, there, there is a, there is the war warrant that lists out all the rules surrounding the award. Um, for example, at one point there were. Uh, you could nominate people for the award. If, if a whole unit has been seen to act bravely, uh, they would have a poll, people in, in the unit itself. Uh, and they would say there would be one for officers, one for NCO, NCOs, and two or three for privates. And the privates would nominate privates, NCOs, the NCOs, officers, the officers. Um, that system is no longer available. They stopped doing that now. That, yep. that clause in the warrant has been removed. Um, and but it has yeah, to be an over, action. There are over the... twenty clauses in the warrant, so it's difficult to say which one says you must right. or mustn't do this. You know, uh, there has I mean, to be. It, it doesn't. People seem to think it has to be an officer. I don't think it necessarily does have to be an officer. But there are yeah. supposed to be three witnesses, but again, that hasn't always been the case. Um, so, like anything, rules get bent. You know, yeah. um, technically, Chard and Bromhead never witnessed the four guys in the fighting at the hospital at Walkshrift, they only heard about it from the other survivors, but, but it's them that make the recommendation. Yeah. And I guess the other uh, key the, thing the as well... Commander, sorry, I could just make one more point. The, the CNC yeah. in the field could award the VC on the spot if he witnessed an action himself. Um, I don't think one has ever been awarded on that criteria. Um, arguably, Chelmsford could have awarded the eight recommended VCs for Walkshrift on the same principle that Bromer had had. He hadn't seen the action, but he heard about it firsthand. Um, so there is an argument there that perhaps he, he could have just said, I'll award those immediately. Technically, probably right. not, but technically, maybe. But he didn't. He passed those up through the chain of command. Um, sounds you know, sounds a bit like Sharp getting a field commission for saving Sir Arthur Wellesley's yeah. life. Absolutely. Uh, and, and many guys <laughs> did get an immediate promotion. Um, yeah. Actions, not knowing that they would later be recommended for a VC, of course. Yeah. Exactly. And the only other point I was going to make, Kevin, about that is perhaps there's some misunderstanding as well, that it has to be in the face of the enemy, right? Like if you're back at base and you pull someone out of a fire, it could be incredibly brave, but you wouldn't necessarily be able to be recommended for the Victoria right. Cross. Is that Pri correct? Prior, yeah, pr yeah, technically, yes. Prior to the introduction of the uh, George Cross, um, you could be awarded it not in the face of the enemy, although it clearly says in the face of the enemy uh, in the criteria. And there was um, a number of awards. There was one in Canada for putting out a fire at an ammunition depot on a train um, in 1866. There was the four awards for the Andaman Islands uh, for life-saving. Um, First 24th, wasn't it? Yes, because one of them, Griffiths, of course, is killed at Isanoana, where yeah. Said to be wearing his medal. Some people disagree with that. Um, so, are, are you saying, are you saying, Kevin, that somewhere a family in Zululand might have that Victoria Cross? No, no, his, his medal their... was recovered. Um, oh, it was recovered. It, oh, okay. What is debated is whether it was found on his body or whether it was found ah, in, in the camp. Gotcha. Um, I was I, very I, excited I, then. I was about to go knocking door to door in Zululand. Was, yes. <laughs> well, uh, at least two have been buried with their recipient or the recipient's daughter in one case. Uh, right. One was lost while um, the, the son of the recipient was playing soldiers in a field and took Daddy's Victoria Cross and was, was lost in a field. Despite many searches of the field, it's never come to light. Wow. Uh, Imagine. Lone Hawker, First World War VC, his was destroyed in a fire in France in 1940 and he had an official replacement uh, issued. Um, a number have been stolen. Some have never turned up. Uh, Charles Uppham's was famously stolen. Um, he was the double VC winner, right? Who we might talk about VC. separately yeah, in a minute. And, yeah, and, um, it was it was um, returned eventually. 
Right. Yeah, you don't you don't steal a man like that's VC <laughs> and expect to live, right? I think it was too hot to handle, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's gonna deal in that, especially with with him sniffing around. I heard a funny story. We'll we'll get onto it maybe in a minute, but a friend of mine who's a Kiwi said there was a story that uh, a journalist went to interview him. This could be apocryphal. And uh, the journalist had to turn around and drive away very quickly because Charles Upham came out with a shotgun and fired at his vehicle. And then when he was asked later, why did you fire at him? He said, because he was driving a German car. Now, that could be an apocryphal story, but it was quite funny when I heard it. I, I believe it may be true. Um, I think the police were fairly frequent visitors to his farm. Uh, when he would take pot shots at uh, any German made cars that came anywhere near. Uh, that's trying to, uh, <laughs> war is over, Mr. Upham. Uh, we, we need to stop doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've heard that from a number of sources so, uh, and, and, and on more than one occasion, apparently. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, well, we'll talk maybe a bit more about some of the double VCs in a moment. But there's a, there's a question that uh, we discussed via email before that I wouldn't have thought to ask you, but you suggested was a good question. So I'm intrigued to know the answer to this now. I haven't Googled it because I wanted to wait for you. You About women and the Victoria Cross. Right, yes. Um, um, yeah, what's the story with this? Well, there, there, again, there's nothing in the Royal Warrant, sorry, excuse me, there is nothing in the Royal Warrant that excludes or includes women uh, for being awarded the Victoria Cross. None have yet been awarded it, they, so it is available to them. Uh, however, there was a case where um, the wife of the Colonel of the uh, 104th Bengal Fusiliers, and Mrs. Weber, Mrs. Weber Harris, who tended uh, the wounded, wounded, the sick during a, um, a cholera outbreak. Of course, in those days, they thought cholera was highly contagious. Uh, so she she treated, you know, she cared for all the soldiers that were, uh, were injured. <laughs> that was sick. That's sick. The yeah. officers of the regiment had a a gold replica of the Victoria Cross made and presented to her uh, for uh, indomitable pluck during during the outbreak. And that VC is now on display in the Imperial War Museum. Oh, fantastic! What a great story. But it'll be a, a an immense story, I guess, when the first ever woman wins a Victoria Cross. I don't know when it'll happen, but I'm sure it's ine inevitably will uh, happen. Yes, because um. Going slightly off subject, but the American Medal of Honor, one woman has been awarded for that. And again, that was a medical uh, award uh, dating back to the Civil War. Um, oh, really? So it was yeah. so so was that given at the time or that was one that's now been um, awarded? It was given. The medal itself existed then, but there was a lot of backdating going on for the Civil War. Shortly after, a lot were done. Many years later, more were done. Hers was one of a number that were originally taken away. Uh, they had all sorts of problems with the criteria of issuing uh, which is too complicated to go into here uh, but she refused to give it back and she continued to wear it uh, mary walker as i know um and eventually they were all reinstated uh, a good good 600 it was sort of decided, wow. they decided they weren't all ordered within the context of the rules um, but the rules for the medal of honor of are very long and very complicated <laughs> right okay yeah I was about to say we'll steer clear of the Medal of Honor. That's maybe one one for a future a future chat. Yeah, but 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 another question is uh, forfeited VCs. Now I yes. I think I'm right in saying if people you know got up to mischief afterwards, it could also be taken off them. Is that yeah? Also we right? we tend to put VC holders on a bit of a pedestal and think they're all superb guys who have never done anything wrong. Of course, the reality is that they're they're ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. Uh, eight Victoria crosses have been forfeited. Uh, and there is a common misconception that they were removed from the register of the Victoria Cross. This register was meant to be kept um, to, to, so we know who was awarded and who wasn't. If people are claiming, making unfounded claims. It's um, terribly out of date now, I believe. But, um, but eight men were forfeited the medal, but they forfeited the medal, not the award. I suspect the idea was that we didn't want people convicted of various crimes walking around wearing bravery medals, but they were still on the register. They were never taken from. Uh, they're never taken off the register. Um, none of them, I don't think, actually did hand their medals in. I think they all suffer from a lapse of memory as to exactly where their medal was when asked to return it. <laughs> uh, but sadly, one chap, um, Valentine Bambrick, was so distraught at losing his hard-earned medal that he, he hanged himself. Um, oh, no. He'd only been convicted of stealing iron or something like that. Crimes we see today as fairly minor, of course, then were, were much much considered much more serious and he hanged himself before uh, the decision was overturned uh, what happened was um 
George VI while he was still Prince of Wales, um, same fellow as I uh, saw Dali, he was so concerned about it, he said that uh, the, the VC should never be forfeited again. Uh, and should a man be hanged for murder, he could wear the VC on the scaffold. Well, seems fair, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you should never be able to take a man's, away a man's bravery despite what he may do later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is an issue, you know, both in the past and, and now, isn't it, that we, we do hold people on, on these pedestals, you know, as if, as if somehow if you're very brave, it means you have to be perfect in every other aspect of your life. But we all know that's just not, hum, not human right. nature. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. OK, well, that, that's quite sad. But one follow up question to that is, would they also have lost their sort of pension and so forth if, if they forfeited it? Again, I'm not sure about that because technically, again, it's the medal, not the award, and the, and the pension comes with the award. So yeah. probably not, in fact. Okay. Well, moving on, this one we've touched on, but let's take a, a, a proper couple of minutes to look at it. The uh, VC award winners. Yep. Uh, I believe there's been three, is that right? And can That's you tell correct. us a bit there about three. There, there are a number of others that were offered a second VC coming back a long way and turned it down for various reasons. One wanted, uh, he got higher pay and a promotion instead. Um, there was one that um, he'd done two actions at the same time. This is how strictly they interpret the rules sometimes. And they said, oh, no, no, you can only be awarded a bar, a second VC, if you already had the VC. And he hasn't had the VC for the first action, so we can't give him another VC for the second action because they were the same day, which I think is kind of strange, but I can see where they're coming from. Uh, now, of course, the two incidents will be in the one citation and get the one award. But the three doubles, they are, um, yes, Arthur Martin League. They're all unique in their own way. Arthur Martin League was a medic. He got the VC in the Second World War for saving lives. And... Yes, I have that as well. Um, <laughs> just holding up, just holding up the book there termed, by Anne Clayton. He's often termed the, the forgotten VC because uh, people, oh, a lot of people say there are only two, and they know the other two, and they don't, they don't remember him. Uh, so he got his set, he got his Barsus VC in the First World War. So he's the only double VC for two different conflicts. That um, is quite impressive. Second. That is quite quite an impressive feat, really. It is really, yeah. To get the, the same medal in two different wars is, is yeah, absolutely. Um, the next one, of course, is um, Noel Chavas, who got both of his, again, he's another medic, he got both of his VCs in the First World War. Um, the second one was posthumous. Uh, one of the things he wrote in his last letter home to his wife, and I use it in my talks, he said, um, he just said something about duty calls and duty must be obeyed, which I think is a fantastic thing to write uh, and he was killed a few weeks later got the second vc for that action uh he's the only vc vc and bar for the first world war it's, it's, he's being unique and the other and, one am i right in saying him. he was uh he was a scouser is that right he's from liverpool no uh, he was in the liverpool uh london london liverpool regiment right uh, i'm not quite sure where he's actually sure i'm sure other people would know that but i'm, I'm not going to say that i'm not I'm not going to say that's the case in case it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, the other double VC, we touched on him earlier, Charles Upham. He's unique in that uh, one, he's the only double VC for the Second World War, and he's the only combat VC. Uh, he got the Victoria Cross in Crete um, during the German invasion there. And a year later, he got the bar in North Africa. And he always said, um, I wear these for the men. These, these awards are for the men. Right. Very modest. In fact, yep. he features on uh, This Is Your Life. Uh, yes, I think I saw it online. I, I looked him up and yeah, uh, if anyone's and you interested, look, you, look you can find it on YouTube. Face. You see the look on his face when uh, Edmund's um, doorsteps him. He wasn't happy. I think they more or less had to convince <laughs> him to go and record the programme. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then move, moving on, I'm not sure if this might be the same character we talked about right at the beginning of our chat or or not, but could you tell us who the youngest ever VC recipient right, was? Right, the youngest. Oh, I could write a book on that as well. Um, right, for many years, it was believed that Andrew Fitzgibbon and, and, and Thomas Flynn, uh, at 15 years and three months, were joint the joint youngest um, Victoria Cross uh, recipients. Um, but recent research by two guys in Ireland have proven that Thomas Flynn was in fact almost 18 at the time of his uh, VC action. So we now throw for an absolute certainty that Andrew Fitzgibbon, at 15 years and three months, was the youngest Victoria Cross uh, recipient. Sadly, there is no picture of him. 
existing. Um, I did go, he's, he's another medical VC, saving lives under fire. Um, they have a painting of him at the Royal Army Medical Corps Museum, but you can't really see his face because no one knew what he looked like, so they, they obviously deliberately painted it that way. Um, so that, that's a question that's now been answered after a great deal of speculation. Many people think so, it's um, Jack Cornwall, actually, who, who you were talking about. So do we know Do we know anything else about him, or is he a bit of one of these characters who's kind no, of lost sadly, he's one of those characters that came from obscurity and disappeared straight back into it. Um, many of them led very ordinary lives afterwards. Uh, the VC didn't buy them lunches. Uh, many of them died in, in poverty. I think he's actually buried in an unmarked grave in India somewhere. How sad. Imagine, imagine winning a Victoria Cross at 15. That's quite... Mm -hmm. Amazing. Turned out to a 15-year-old today and half half failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presumably he was a he was a boy soldier then uh who was working. He, he was a was medic. Kind of... um, he was he was a medic. He, I think he did he did a little bit of medical practicing. He got very into medicine at a very young age. Uh, right. and, and, and book books and, and kind of half taught himself. <laughs> um wow. and so he was helping he was there helping with the wounded, stretcher barrel, effectively. Right. Wow. What a fascinating story. I'll have to see if I can find anything else because that is that is quite exceptional. Good. And then talking of talking of firsts, from my understanding, there's never been any sort of race bar to the Victoria Cross. You know, if you were serving in the British military and you did something, you you could win the award. Is is that true? And if so, who was the first black recipient? Absolutely. Um, that's never been a consideration, uh, unlike the Medal of Honor, where a great deal of racism has prevailed. Um, uh, and it goes back much further than most people think. It's 1857, during uh, the good old Indian Mutiny again, uh, uh, William Hall, uh, he was Canadian. He was not only the first black man, he was the first Canadian to be awarded the Victoria Cross. And it's another, um, it's not, he, he got his award for man in the guns uh, under fire when they were trying to batter down the walls of a, a fault. And all the gunners were being shot down and wounded. And he stayed at the guns and he actually manned and fired both guns some time almost at point blank range on the, under fire from the, the rebels um and he got his award from that and he sadly broke it later he broke the suspension ring and uh, there's a famous picture of him wearing it attached to his watch chain he wore it proudly on his watch chain for the rest of his life because um, he was with the naval brigade wasn't he and uh, this was right, during yes, the relief yes. yeah yeah so in the navy of course they would take anyone from any nationality and as you say providing you were serving you did not have to be a british subject providing you were serving in her majesty's forces you were eligible for the award. Because, uh, I mean, we haven't prepped for this, but there are quite a lot of foreigners, like Germans, Swiss, yeah, all yeah. sorts who have won the Absolutely. award, isn't there? Um, I think it's four Americans uh, awarded it, uh, a couple of Germans, Swiss, Dutch, as you say. Um, obviously, Indians and Gurkhas are now, but I think we're coming on to that a little later as well. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's probably as, as good a segue as any then to say we've we talked about the first black recipitum. Initially, I believe, you know, Honourable East India Company and then British Indian Army had their own awards. But at what point did they become eligible for the Victoria Cross? Or have I got yeah, my facts uh, a bit mixed up? No, no, you're, you're about right. It's 1912 before uh, people serving in the British Indian Army, which included the Gurkhas, um, could be awarded the Victoria Cross. This wasn't a snub. This was just an oversight. They kept making new amendments to allow different proportions of people who are serving. I mean, they brought in a, a, an amendment for ecclesiastical awards. So they could award someone who'd uh, got the VC down that. Um, so it's a progression, and it was only until 1912 that they suddenly thought, Look, let's just say anybody serving in any of the British forces can be awarded the VC. Um, so that they, then they sort of cleared it up for good. Um, so, so it's 1912 when in, Native Indians uh, were and Gurkhas were eligible for it. Uh, but the first one wasn't awarded until 1914, um, and that was to a Karadada Khan. I'm not sure if I pronounced his name correctly. Um, and that again was, was prevent single-handedly preventing a German breakthrough uh, when everybody else had been killed or, or gone. He stayed behind and stopped the breakthrough. So this this was on the Western Front, presumably sort of either yeah. side or somewhere. Yeah, no, it's on the Western Front. Yeah, right. Eighty thousand Indians served on the on the Western Front. Yeah. And uh, throughout the history of the British Indian Army, was 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 I don't expect specific numbers, but presumably there was there was a lot of VCs awarded throughout the First and Second World War to those guys. Uh, well, interestingly enough, my latest book is uh, ah, there we go, perfect. The Gurkha and Indian regiments. Um, ah, so you're the perfect man to ask I'm this the question. Man to ask. I should know the answer, <laughs> shouldn't I? There have been twenty eight Gurkha awards, 
half of which have gone to British officers serving in Gurkha regiments and half have gone to Gurkhas themselves. Uh, there's been a lot more Indian awards. Yeah, you've flummoxed me by that question because I haven't looked it up. But there's been uh, well over 100, somewhere around 130, 150 VCs. Again, many would have gone to British officers serving in Indian regiments before Indians were eligible. Um, but since 1914, um, they've, they've earned a lot during the First and Second World War. Many of the, when India got her independence, many of the Indians didn't stay with the British Army. They went on to their own army and they were allowed, yeah. of course, to carry on wearing uh, the Victoria Cross. But then what happened was Indian decorations come before the Victoria Cross. So oh, see, really? So you see medal bars, not many, but you see some medal bars with Indian awards, the Victoria Cross, then the rest of their Imperial awards. Oh, wow. How interesting. Wow. Gosh. Well, let's 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 keep cracking on. So we've yeah. we've talked now about sort of, um, you know, recent VC winners. Uh, could you give us a bit of an overview, sort of especially, you know, war on terror era and maybe sort of Falklands as well? Uh, how many awards have been have been um, won and for for what sort of things? Can you give us a sense of that? Yeah, um, it has got slower, of course, over the years. Um, when the two were awarded for the Falkland Islands to uh, H. Jones and Ian McKay, a lot of people thought they would probably be the last Victoria Crosses ever awarded. Uh, also, an interesting point is a lot of people saying we can't award the Victoria Cross there because we never declared war on Argentina. Well, again, there is nothing in the warrant that says we have to be at war, that we have to have declared war. Um, yep. So it was a misnomer at the time. People were throwing that around. Um, I think somebody wrote a book called The Last Eleven, um, Mark Adkin, uh, which of course since then there have been a lot more. All the that didn't go up, that only went up to the Falklands. So since then there's been all the, as you say, the Afghanistan, uh, Iraq War on Terror awards. Um, the most recent award uh, is to a Joshua Leakey, who got his in 2013 um, when he saved the life of a U.S. Marine captain in Afghanistan. He was a para, uh, wasn't he? Yes, um, and he's a very modest chap. He really doesn't like. I met him twice and he really doesn't like talking about it. Uh, I had to almost twist his arm to get him to sign my copy of my book. And he only did it when I said, you're the only VC recipient that hasn't signed it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, but then there are, as we talked earlier about the VCs for Australia and New Zealand, um, Willie Appiata, uh, who's in the Australian SAS. And they're still very secretive about his award. Um, the, the actual date on the back of his VC is the date of citation. The date of citation was published not not the right. action because the action is still classified information in, in New Zealand yeah but the Australian VCs they're not so bothered they they let the information know but Willie he was he was quite upset he said when they told him he was going to be awarded the VC he said you're going to out me aren't you and he said that's for the good of the regiment yes we are right okay so so in again, other words he would very very modest man who I've met a couple of times yeah yeah well just just going back to to Leakey there I believe one of the interesting facts is he's the descendant of someone else who won a, a VC or, or some sort of distant relative. He is, a, which he is indeed. He's right yeah. to another leak who was awarded the VC during the Second World War. Uh, and for a while, I was in contact with that leak, his brother, uh, who sent me some very nice photographs, uh, 1930s photographs of his brother with his, uh, his old-fashioned car. Um, and we had some interesting chats about, about his brother. He rather felt we were both unfairly conscripted. Um, I don't know what uh, the VC recipient thought, but this is what his brother was telling me. Uh, it almost seemed a little bitter and twisted about having to go into the army, but uh, he was still willing to talk about his brother a little bit. And that, that was when yeah. I was writing the book, so that was a few years ago now. But yes, he is related to them. Family VCs are actually quite fascinating as well. Yeah, because this this kind of opens a can of worms a little bit, which I guess we'll never really know the answer to. But if there is like a bravery gene, right, because you're right, there are a lot of families where, where there will be multiple people who have won the award. Absolutely. Um, you know, we talked about Lord Roberts and his son earlier. Both They were both awarded the Victoria Cross, uh, Leakey and his, um, his descendant. Um, and the most famous family, the Goths, where um, brother... Two brothers and one of their sons were awarded the Victoria Cross. Um, so, yeah, and there is a VC, what's his name, Irish chap, Donahue, whose brother was awarded the Medal of Honor during the Civil War. So, right. information I found out a few years ago. Uh, so, there does seem to be something that runs in families. Uh, whether it's a gene yeah. or not, I really don't know. Um, yeah. Well, just just quickly, the, the Goths, can you give us the sort of the two-minute summation of, of their story? 
Um, they both go way back. They're both um, 19th century. Uh, there's a very nice photo of the three of them photographed together with them. one of them sat down in their VCs. Um, Is one of them uh, Goff Third Bengal Land uh, Third Bengal Cavalry uh, Mutiny? Would that be one of? Because I've I've read a book of one of the Goffs. I'm wondering if it's that family, same family. There's a Charles Goff, a Hugh Goff, and what's the other one called? John, possibly. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah. One got, one got the award for saving the life of his brother. Um, wow. Uh, which is interesting because in other cases, VCs have been refused on the grounds that, oh, he only did it because he had no choice or, or it was a relative or something like that. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's some, some things happen that you think are a bit odd, really. shouldn't make any difference why. Um, uh, one of the VCs from the Second World War, um, Jackson, the RAF initially tried to block it on the grounds that they felt it was an act of preservation rather than bravery. Um, which I think that's crazy. Like, you know, he saved the life of some of the crew of the aircraft while it was in a blaze. Um, right. He, was he the one that climbed out on the wing to put the fire out on the wing at 8,000 feet? Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, that's pretty brave, yeah. It was more an act yep. of preservation, really. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't get the award, so... There's a there's a VC buried very close to uh, one of the villages where I grew up in Leicester. Very similar story. It was John someone. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. RAF guy, fire in the aircraft, managed to sort of help put it out and still land the plane. I've forgotten his name, but uh, I don't I don't yeah. think it's the same chap you're talking about. No, there about, were a couple. But... There were a couple of very similar stories of fires in airplanes. Uh, he must be the other one, you know. Yeah. So I guess that's interesting as well, because that also, I guess, put, you know, goes back to what we talked about in the face of the enemy, because you could argue yeah. perhaps that wasn't. Yeah, there is. Uh, unfortunately, now, certainly not so much going back a while, but now they, they interpret in the face of the enemy extremely literally, um, right. certainly since the George Cross came out. Um, Matthew Croucher, who was in Afghanistan, uh, he got the George Cross for uh he, they were inside they were behind enemy lines they were in an enemy compound um and he tripped a booby trap and he had second you know microseconds to decide what to do and he basically threw himself on the device turned himself over so his day pack his backpack took the majority of the blast and that day pack is on display in imperial war museum now absolutely rich ripped to shreds but of course he saved the section of guys around him he got the george cross because it wasn't in the face of the enemy well, I say, well, he's behind enemy lines. He's in an enemy compound. It's an enemy booby trap. It seems the enemy had to be physically present now. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I personally, I thought that was a VC every day of the week. But, uh, yeah. There, there are a number. There are a number of guys in the First World War who got the VC for jumping on grenades. Uh, yeah. Uh, McFadden, thirty-six uh, Irish division, right? Northern Irish. Yeah, there was one on the first day of the one later in nineteen seventeen. Uh, I can immediately yeah. recall. And they got yeah. the visa, but there was no enemy present. They were putting yeah. grenades for the advance. Yeah, exactly. Of course, there was and no reason I... then, of course. Yeah, and the reason I remember the Billy McFadden story so well is because uh, I remember going to, to, to the Tea of Our Memorial as a kid and uh, buying a, a tape of songs, and one of them was all about Billy McFadden. Oh. Young Billy McFadden had no known grave. It was a good song, so I always remember that story. So 1st oh. of July, 1916, 36th Ulster Division. Anyway, I'm going off on one there. No, no one that's wants right. to hear me singing, Kevin. That's a that's a bad start to the day. So, <laughs> I can edit that. So, out. <laughs> um, so, Kevin, we're kind of close to winding up, but just for, if people are interested to know, who who is there anyone these days tasked to look after the graves of VC winners? You know what what's the situation there? Uh, sadly, there isn't. Uh, there is a misconception that VCs are looked after by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, and they only look after those that fall under their First and Second World War remit. Uh, those that survived their actions and died later um, were buried by their families, if they had them, uh, or buried in pauper's graves. But gra graves are private property. They belong to whoever bought the grave for, for however many years. Um, so sadly, there is a great deal of neglect um of graves there are still around 10 unmarked vc graves within the m25 in london um, wow. uh, there are two groups that currently help that situation there's the victoria cross trust um, yeah they have a facebook page so you can look them up um, yeah they, good they, guys actually very no, very, very good guys, guys. Yeah. um okay yeah okay uh, i think it is keith keith lumley it is isn't keith. it I yeah i'd have made yeah. a brainstorm there for a second um <laughs> 
And they 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 mostly I'm personally I'm more into marking unmarked graves because at least a poor grave there is something there. Um, yeah. Yes, it's been important work to get them to get them renovated, but I would like to see them concentrate more on some of the unmarked graves around the world. Um, yeah, uh, but they do sterling work. Um, sadly, they have very little money to do it with. And the other one is a chap called um, Steve Davis who uses the name Military Grave Restorer, and again he has a Facebook page called that. Uh, and he will renovate any military grave. Um, and I've met him a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. He's done a number of VCs. In fact, we rediscovered uh, the headstone of John Harrison in Brompton Cemetery. Why, why um, Is... looking around? I, I knew roughly where it was, and then we found it. Um, it oh, wow. Lost. It actually been lost. Um, even the cemetery people say, we don't know where his grave is. And I, I had a photograph of when the headstone was still upright, taken very yeah. many years ago. And from that, you could work out the approximate location. Mm. And when I was Brilliant. there with Steve, uh, we, were, we were digging around and we found the turf stone or the head stone and that was now lying flat under the grass. So we, we've obviously cleared all that away and he's now trying to arrange to get a new headstone. I just, if anyone wants to see uh, collections of Victoria crosses and so forth, where's the best place to go and where are the biggest collections? Uh, undoubtedly, the biggest collection is the Osh Ashcroft collection. Uh, Lord Ashcroft, who um, was buying them since the 1970s, I think he paid about £28,000 for his first VC. Um, they go for hundreds of thousands now, of course. Um, and he amassed a collection of, uh, I think it's somewhere over 240 now. And he has effectively gifted those to the nation. And they are on display at the Imperial War Museum uh, in what is called the Ashcroft um, VC Gallery. And they're not always all on display. They rotate them because they've got so many now. They have to rotate the medals. Um, but it, it is by far the largest collection in the world, and it's right here in London, the Imperial War Museum. Um, the Royal Army Medical Corps, they have about 24 of their VCs awarded, which is about half the number the Corps has been awarded, and they're all on display. They have the originals on display, and that's the thing about the Ashcroft collection. The originals are on display. Uh, most museums that display them are, for obvious reasons, are displaying copies. Um, I believe the National Army Museum displayed the originals as well because they're in quite good security cases. Yeah. But most small museums certainly don't, sadly. But so the Imperial War Museum is the go to place for sure. So thanks a lot to Kevin for that. I don't know about you, but I really learned a lot. There are links to his books in the episode description, and I'll also be making a short YouTube edit of this interview too. So please check that out. In the next few weeks, we'll be looking at the relief of Lucknow during the Indian Mutiny, and I'm also hoping to have the great historian of the Zulu War, Ian Knight, on the show, talking about his new book. Make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. Okay, cheers, guys. We will march again soon.